Greetings, fellow planeswalkers. I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you're listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. This week on the podcast, we're talking about the reserve list, but not in the way you might expect. Now, before that, we have our upkeep trigger to do here. We're going to thank all of our patrons for your love and support. You help keep the lights on here and keeping us fed. If you want to help support the show, you can do that directly at patreon.com slash commander at arms, where over the last couple of days, I have just gone through and changed a lot of our tiers. So go and check it out and give us some feedback on Twitter. Now we have mail day and interesting finds. Paul. Have you found anything or bought anything of any kind of spice lately? Um, yes, actually. I bought, I want to say about 10 cards for the cube. Yep. Uh, went to my LGS and, you know, it's a new LGS, so I wanted to buy some stuff to support. Ooh, um, which LGS is that? Um, it was called, I think it's Happy Troll Games is what it's called. Never it's, heard of it. It's it's like basically across the street from from Windows, which is the store I normally go to. Um, so I went in, I bought some singles, I bought like a Hydroid Crisis, I bought an Imperial Recruiter, I bought a old bordered foil Dig Through Time, the FNM promo that they had last year towards like yeah. September, I think, or October, somewhere somewhere around there. Um, I bought, like I said, about ten cards per cube. Bought a few for Commander, including a deck of many things. Which is a card I never opened that I really wanted. That's um, from uh, was that that was from the the AFR right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's from the D set. Yeah. Um, I also bought a Reality Asset for Brago, uh, which is a card that I always knew I wanted for Brago. I just never got around to getting one, and it was sitting there, so I figured why not. And what else did I buy? Oh yeah, at at Windows, I went to two stores. Uh, I actually bought five collector's packs and a regular like draft box of Kamigawa because that set is awesome. Uh, I really wanted a collector's box, but unfortunately they only had a few packs left. So I just took what they had in a regular box and I opened like decently well. Uh, I did get a, a, a Jenga Taxius, so that was pretty cool. It was a foil one. Um, I did open like some variant cards. Uh, I opened two farewells, which is really cool. Um, I actually opened a surprising amount of the cards that I was hyping up on the last episode, which is pretty cool because now I just get to like instantly play them. Um, I love it when that happens. I love it when I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, we we do a set review episode or like our, our like top 10, 15 cards of a set that we really, really like and really should be like hyping up. And then as I'm opening up packs, I'm like, oh, we talked about this about this card on the podcast. And it's it's a fantastic card. Yeah, no lie. I actually, I opened doubles of each rare that we talked about, except for Lion Sash. I didn't open a single one, but that's fine. Oh, wow. Um, well, just go back to, to Windows or, uh, or what was it? Happy, happy troll games, happy troll games and just pick one up. Ah, I didn't see one there. It's a pretty new set. So might have to wait a little while on that. But, uh, I also, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I got my stranger things cards in. Yes. And, uh, I was able to successfully, uh, put together like a very rough version of that deck. It's playable, but it's not the one that I have up on architect. Um, and while I was going through getting cards for that, I actually put together an entirely separate deck, <laughs> uh, which I'm not going to talk about here. James knows what it is, but uh, that one is going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I can't um, wait for you to bust it out on one of the streams one week. Maybe even this week. Maybe even this week. Who knows? Who knows? Now, 
This is actually going to be one of those very interesting times, Paul, where the podcast is going to go live the same day that we're streaming. So we actually can uh, can kind of promote it on this episode. And if you're listening to this before, what is it, like 8.30 EST on the Thursday that this comes out, then uh, yeah, you'll be able to check us out on that week for, for our stream. Um which is at twitch.tv slash commander at arms. Don't forget to give us a follow. We're so close to being affiliated with them. I think we're like 25 followers away. So if you want to, you know, help support us over there as well, as well as everywhere else that we, uh, we have our content, just throw us a follow. Cause I mean, it, it's going to mean the world to us. And it literally takes all of 10 seconds. Not even that it takes a second just to click a button. And if happy. you, uh, if you want a sneak preview of what you can expect from our streams, we do have a YouTube series called to the battlefield, uh, where you can actually check out our latest episode, uh, episode number three. Um, I don't want to spoil anything that happens there, but like I said, if you're looking for a little bit of a teaser of, uh, what our streams entail, you can go ahead and check that out. And there's always one game on stream that we do not upload. We usually play about two games. One goes on YouTube. One is stream only. So if you want some exclusive content, go check that out. And uh, for any anyone who's kind of out there who's thinking about Patreon and stuff, uh, I I have a idea of doing Patreon exclusive videos, uh, which will require gameplay with our friends. So if you want to get access to those videos as well, go and hit up our Patreon, like I mentioned at the side of the episode, end of the end of the end of the episode as well. Um, and from that, Paul, we have play of the week to get through here. Have you done anything like inherently broken? Cause I know I've done something and this was a, a it was a non-content fun game that I played. And it was an absolute doozy. Um, other than spending like probably too much money on magic cards, I haven't really done much in the realm of magic. <laughs> uh, this okay, week. so let me paint you a picture, right? It's dusk over the brisk evening. Dusk is evening, right? Yes, it is. I'm really bad at painting pictures. I'm no Bob Ross. Isn't um, dawn evening? Yeah, it is. I look. I'm, <laughs> I already messed it up. Okay, um, so. Myself and uh, some fellow people in the community on our Discord server decided we wanted to play Magic, and it was one of those like awkward times where I was like, "Oh, I'm editing, but yeah, I can like step away for about an hour or two because my eyes are starting to hurt. Let's let's just throw some cards down and sling some spells at each other and smack each other in the face, you know? Let's just let's just go face punching for about an hour. So we did, and uh, I got to pull out Gear Ed, and you 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 know I know, and everyone else who who listens or watches this show knows how much I love that deck. Um, it just wants to smack with rhinos and it did something the other day that I have never done before. And it revolved around a five, no, a four CMC artifact with equip five that makes a copy of the equipped creature at the beginning of combat. Tell me the host. I don't know if you're waiting for me to say that. Yeah, no, no, it is. <laughs> I was just, I was leaving a dramatic pause. Uh, yeah. So Helm of the host, but not on gear ed on something else. Something else that I added to the deck that I was given given to uh to me for my birthday from my friends in Australia, I put it on old old Norbone. So <laughs> I have a seven seven. Unfortunately, I had to do it like after combat. I had to like slap it down and then go to combat and swing out with gear ed and make some treasures and then be able to like equip it and everything. But the next turn, so I had Helm of the Host with old with old Norbone there, just sitting on my battlefield, just chilling, hanging out. 
And it got around a whole turn and it came back to my turn and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to combat and I'm going to create a copy of old Norbone. And everyone's like, okay. And I was versing a Cranko mob, not mob boss, the Cranko Tinstreet Kingpin, Kingpin. Uh, deck. And I died the next turn, but I got to also create 112 treasures in one combat. <laughs> wow. That is... Yeah. Uh... Now I now I have the context for that that tweet that you sent out. Yes, that was amazing, and I mean, it was like, oh, it's a non-content game, but realistically, I tweeted that picture out. I tweeted out everything else that I was doing about it. I'm talking about it on the podcast. So I mean, every game that I play is content, I guess. Uh, it was so much fun, and I died to a bunch of little one ones just hoarding my face and killing me and i was like whatevs trevs i got to do what i wanted to do and i wanted to make two to three old gnaw bones and go ham and i went absolutely ham because i got to fly in with two seven sevens and then tack with gear ed and i got to actually what i should have done because old gnaw bone was a it was a token at that point. I could have populated the old Norbone token but i populated a rhino because i was like ah it just hits rhinos ha 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 i'm bad at this game I should have populated the old Norbone and gotten 21 damage at the mono red Cranko player and I would have been able to kill them and then maybe stayed alive for the next turn. But I mean, I was too excited in the moment of having two old Norbones. I didn't think of the possibilities of ever having three old Norbones. That would have been uh, quite insane. You would have made quite quite a bit more treasures off that, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. You made 112, you said? Yeah. So what is half of that? 56? So you would have yep. made uh, a number that I don't care to calculate. I mean, it's, 50, it's 56 times something. three. 168, I think? Yeah, yeah 168. <laughs> enough treasures that I didn't even... I didn't have enough cards in my hand to draw it or anything or play it or anything. I just... I was like, I have a butt-ton of treasures. Woohoo. Next. You know what card would have been really good there? What's that? Uh, spinning Wheel Kick. Uh, yes. Which is, which is an uncommon that I mentioned uh Last week from Kamigawa. Spinning wheel kick would have been fantastic. It's like double <laughs> X, double green. And if you want to know what we think about it, go and check out our last episode where we did our top 15 cards of Kamigawa that you need for your commander decks. Um, all right, enough enough messing around here, Paul. We have a full stacked episode to talk about. Um, we're going to move on to our main phase one here. I'm going to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. And we are talking about the reserve list, but it's in a... We kind of flipped it a little bit because, I mean, everyone talks about the reserve list, but we are, uh, we're, okay, I don't even know how to really intro this, do we? Because it's not really a game that we got over here in, uh, in the West. It we're, was, or oh, East, sorry. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be talking about, uh, something that recently came to light, uh, which has apparently been going on for a while, uh, based on James's research, which he's done way more than I have into this. Um, so I'll, I'll let him have the, the helm in a second. Uh, but we're talking about something that recently came to light that puts the reserve list in a in a in a new light. Basically, it's a uh, it's very interesting. I'll, I'll let James take the wheel though, because he, like I said, he's done a bit more research into this than me, and he's actually apparently played the uh, the other game that we're going to be mentioning here, which I have not. Yeah. So. 2006 i believe is when this card game came out but it's called duel masters and it was it was janky as hell it was like it used very similar concepts as magic it was like five civilizations or with all different colors and those colors represented like darkness and light and fire and air and all that and it was kind of Yu-Gi-Oh light because you had like five shields but anything but 
that's not what we're here not what we're here to talk about so this isn't the first time that Duel Masters and Magic the Gathering have done a crossover event. Uh, back in 2016, they did one and they gave us Jace the Mind Sculptor and Nickel Bolas. So I was like, okay, that's that's cool. Um, in 2020, they also did another crossover event where they printed cards like uh, Black Lotus, Emmercrawl, the Aeon's Torn, Lava Coil, Mons... Uh, Goblins Raider, Sarah Angel, and of course, Nicol Bolas again. Um, <laughs> I wrote here, it seems like Nicol Bolas is quite popular, even outside of MTG. And I mean, I think that's very true. He's probably like one of the biggest villains in, uh, in like, you know, card game history. Um, but with their most recent crossover event that they've just done, they decided to go back and reprint more than just what they've already done now. So it's not even a reprint because it's just a print. So they're printing cards like but not limited to Birds of Paradise, Black Lotus, Emrakul the Aeon's Torn, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Alexandria, sorry, Library of Alexandria, Nickel Bolas, Sarah Angel, and Sliver Queen. Now, these don't work the same way as they do in Magic the Gathering. They work very, kind of very similar. It's like the Black Lotus card is a zero-drop, a zero-drop mono artifact that once it comes on the battlefield, uh, you put the top three cards of your library on that card. And then every turn you take one off and put it on the bottom. And then once you don't have any cards on it or any, they're called seals. So once you don't have any, any seals on them, you uh, put it and put it into the graveyard. And then your next spell costs three less to cast, um, but can't be zero. So it's kind of the same as what a black Lotus does, but obviously very, very slower compared to what black Lotus was. Um, Paul actually brought this to light to me the other day and I went, oh my God, they're doing this. Like this is a thing, but it's been going on for at least, you know, since 2016. So they've got six different crossovers between Duel Masters and Magic the Gathering that we're just seeing now. And, um, you know, they're officially printed by Watsy. They've got the names and the exact artwork from the card, the card files from Watsy. So they've got, you know, the Black Lotus has Christopher Rush's artwork for Black Lotus. It even looks like an actual magic card. It has the old brown artifact background. It's got mono artifact written on it. The only thing different is, is where the resource cost is. It's not in the top right-hand corner. It's in the left-hand corner because that's where it is in Duel Masters. Um, and... I thought it was a very interesting topic to talk about because it's going to be what's going to happen now. Yeah, and I just want to clarify that the uh, the art on the Black Lotus is actually uh, it's Chris Ron. It's not Chris Rush's art. It's the it's the MTGO promo art or not promo the uh, Vintage Masters art Black Lotus. Sorry, um, that's my bad. I I <laughs> I, I, I did miss misspeak on that one. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's. I think the weirdest part about this to me is that it's been going on for so long. And I guess the reason why we're now noticing is because there's a, a fish official Watsy printed foil black Lotus, which is impossible yeah. to exist in the magic universe. Literally impossible for many reasons. Well, really just one, uh, one because they won't <laughs> print it again because it's worth too damn much money. Um, it's on the reserve list for a reason. And be because people were like, I mean, there's lots of reasons why it's on the reserve list. We, we don't need to add to the other thousand reserve list videos out there. Yeah. Um, so I guess to put our own unique spin on it and not really talk about the reserve list specifically that much, um, are Dual Masters printings of reserve list cards in Magic the Gathering a good thing? Uh, this is like 
this really depends a lot on a variety of factors. I think for myself personally, I think it is a good thing. I think for people who want an a, an official card, right? Like they want to support the the company that makes these cards or they want something that feels like an actual card as opposed to like, you know, uh, printing out like a, a colored piece of paper that has a picture of Black Lotus on it, which is fine, by the way. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but some people just don't like to do that, right? Which is also fine. And this provides those people, uh, myself included, uh, an out. Like if they want an actual card, feels like a card, looks like a card, printed by Watsi, and looks freaking sweet, which it does, by the way. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but it looks really cool. Um, so in my opinion, I think it is a good thing uh, for the reasons I just listed. I, I think it is a really cool idea. Um, I don't think it's a workaround to the reserve list. I think that is probably a bit of a stretch. Um, but it will make for good, like, for good, like, cool-looking cubes, uh, which is primarily what I'm interested in, um, because I'm not playing vintage anytime soon. (laughs) Um, I think it is an amazing thing, and I really hope, actually, that they are more publicized. And as far as I know, this is only in Japan, right? Yeah, because that's where Duel Masters predominantly is. Yeah, uh, okay. It was a way to get Magic the Gathering into the Japanese culture. Uh, I believe like the manga had the main characters playing Magic for like the first two or three issues, and then they switched switched to Duel Masters. So everyone kind of got the idea of what Magic was over there, so they tried to push it, but it didn't really stick, and Duel Masters kind of caught on as their own thing. So these are, yes, Japanese only. Um, I did do a bit of a Google search on the cards and i did find that yeah you can find them on like ebay and stuff uh i think you can find them on you can't find them on tcg player yet uh you might be able to find them in other places as well um and you know you said like like the cube and everything but i'm looking at this 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 one commander card on here that i actually may want to pick up for myself because i mean like you said they're officially printed by watsy when you buy them, you're supporting Watsi themselves. Um, I would pick up a Sliver Queen to then build a Sliver deck. No, you I wouldn't. would actually do that. Because I think last time I saw this card, it was like $300. And I can get a copy from Duel Masters for 10 And it's an it's on official card stock. It's just as thick as every other card. It's going to look like a card. It's going to feel like a card. It's not going to be a piece of paper in front of another card in a sleeve. Um, and who knows, you might see me streaming with a, uh, with a sliver deck here in the next couple of months or so. No, I, I will not let that happen. I promise you. You're not going to let me build a sliver deck? Absolutely not. Why not? <laughs> I hate sliver decks. That's fine. You don't have to, you're just playing against it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Mm. Everyone needs a sliver deck and this is my right. sliver deck. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, moving on from that, uh, are MTG players going to want to use or want these cards. Uh, kind of already addressed this one. Uh, again, it depends on the person, depends on, you know, a variety of factors. But in general, I think, yes, I've already spoken with a few of my Magic friends. Uh, me and Janes have already demonstrated a want slash need for uh, a couple of these cards. Yeah. And the general consensus seems to be that this is something that is exciting. Uh, we get to uh, support the company making the game. And we get to have like an actual card and we're not really like circumventing or making anybody feel bad about their investment, I suppose. You know, like if somebody actually owns an actual Black Lotus, not really hurting them. 
We just get Not to walk away with something that looks really cool, and uh, we get to feel good that we are helping out the the company making the game so that they can keep doing cool stuff. Uh, the one thing I would like to see, though, is I actually meant meant to mention this before when I asked. This was Japan only. Is I would like to see these more localized, and I don't even care about like the language on the card. I just want like them like to be printed here so we can get a hold of them a little easier. Um, and I'm wondering if there's a deeper reason behind why that is like why wouldn't this be more publicized you know i don't know it's 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 a little it's a bit of a strange situation to me but i do hope that we get to see them printed here uh in the near future i wonder if it's just trying to popularize magic in japan more than what it is now because i mean they're competing with so many more card games than we ever will think of you know uh and i'm just going off the top of my head here i haven't actually done much research into the ways of like like gaming culture in in Japan or anything. Um, but for this to be Japan exclusive, it kind of makes me feel that like, well, this may be another shot at having people open up Duel Masters packs, see cards they're not really, you know, like, oh, what's this Black Lotus card from? Or what's this Jace the Mind Sculptor, Nicol Bolas, Library of Alexandria? Google it and then find the actual magic cards that they're that they kind of like quote unquote came from. And then might, again, this is a massive hypothetical, but then might like, you know, go down that rabbit hole and find out magic and then start looking at more magic content and everything. And I actually just had a really good thought of who we could talk to this about. And that's Hoi MTG, because he is a Japanese MTG content creator. Huh. So uh, I will actually get him on the blower here uh, in the next couple of days. And I will, uh, I will, I will figure that out and i will have a a a twitter thing with him because i'm interested to know like what is magic culture over there in japan if if they're doing this as japanese only is that because they're trying to introduce magic into like mainstream popularity over there and try to push out maybe dual masters who knows uh uh finally up here on this uh on this segment uh is this the closest we will come to the championship decks of old? Which, if you're a newer player and you don't know what those are, back in the like late 90s, I think. Maybe early 2000s as well, I'm pretty sure. Um, maybe like 2005, 2006. I'm not sure when they stopped doing them. Uh, Watsi used to print uh, championship decks, which were gold-bordered versions of actual decks that people played in Magic tournaments that, that they won with, you know, like top eight or something like that. Um, obviously because they were gold border, they were not tournament legal, uh, but they had cool cards in them. Like some of the earlier ones had force of will, uh, black Lotus, mox emerald, mox ruby, mox sapphire, uh, mox jet, mox pearl, time walk, you know, all the power nine, uh, time twister. And, you know, even those versions of those cards can fetch upwards of hundreds, thousands of dollars. Right. And they're not even tournament playable. So these Duels Masters cards are not very different in terms of that, like in terms of playability. You can't play those in a tournament. You can't play the Duel Masters cards in tournaments. The only difference is that um, I think the... Uh, well, actually, no. The, the, uh, the championship decks didn't even have mag- uh, magic backs. They had different backs. Yeah, they had like a championship 1999 back or something. Yeah. Like they had they had their own, like each championship pack had their own different backing because you can pick up, I think like a like a gold-bordered Gaia's Cradle for like a hundred bucks. Yeah, which is insane, right? But like now we have 
something extremely similar. The only difference here is it's for a different game, but like if it doesn't affect the playability, then who cares? And it literally is like we're getting the like the biggest cards, you know, not not whole decks, obviously, but really the only cards you really cared about were the, the big hitters, you know, like the ones I just mentioned. And now we're getting Sliver Queen, Library of Alexandria, uh, Black Lotus. Maybe Bop and Emrakul are a little less exciting, but still cool, right? That you can get like these unique versions of these cards. And, you know, maybe somebody likes the way those cards look better. Like personally speaking, I haven't seen it in person yet, but it looks like a clean card. And I think, honestly, as somebody who has been barking up the tree of please print championship or gold bordered cards again just to have something to hold uh i think that this is the closest we will come because clearly they like they're not going to do it again we're not going to get championships decks again it's been too long i don't think it's something that they're interested in uh and i do think that this is what we've got now now the only problem of course is going to be now that they are popular uh, you know, the whole supply-demand situation, are these going to become as expensive as championship deck cards? Yeah, is it worth picking one up now or like a set of these now, holding onto them for a little bit and then seeing what the price does? Again, not financial advice in any terms whatsoever. I'm the worst person when it comes to finance and uh, like MTG resellability. Um, but who knows because of how hard they are to get there how many people are actually going to want to use these cards and it might be worth picking up say a $10 card or a $15 card and then holding onto it you may make a couple extra bucks off it if you were ever to sell it am i going to say that they're going to reach the price of you know like the championship versions of say guys cradle or the moxin or anything probably not but it's Pretty sweet to still hold an official Black Lotus card. Um, so when you get that card, Paul, uh, let me know because I want to want to come and put my grubby mitts all over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, sh I should also mention, actually, I, I forgot about this, that uh, the Power 9, they had uh, collector's editions prints as well, which were actually black bordered, but they had square edges instead of uh, rounded. Yeah. So that, that was the, the trick for those. All right, so that is our main phase one. We are going to pass through our combat phase now. I am going to swing my Emrakul the Aeon's Torn at you, Paul. How do you wish to block? Uh, I'm going to call it Judge because we're playing Commander and you're playing a card that is banned. No, but it's Duel Master's card. It's not banned. <laughs> Wait, what? That doesn't help your case. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'll get DQ'd. It's all right. So just, just tell me how you're going to block it before you bring a Judge over. Um... Thinking with the uh, Annihilator trigger on the stack. Still thinking. No blocks. All right, cool. Excellent. <laughs> oh, the judge is here. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I, I can't have this card on the field. Oh, okay, well, I guess in that case, you, you take no damage and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to hear a message from our sponsors right now. Welcome back from that ad break. We're going to jump back into this episode, back into our main phase two here. Talking about the reserve list, but not in the way that you most expect. Through the Duel Masters reprints. Or I guess I gotta stop calling them reprints, man, because they're not reprints. They're just prints. Yeah, they are mechanically unique cards in uh in Duel Masters, so literally yeah. just new cards to that game. Exactly. Uh kind of. I mean they've been printed once before, but they're getting like a reprint in in that through a like their parallel masters set where they're doing like a time spiral. It's kind of like their version of time spiral remastered, or I guess this time spiral where they get to do like all these weird wacky mechanics and get to try new things. And it might be a thing. So I can really see like dual masters just pulling tropes from magic. And that's awesome. Um, but 
I'll jump back in here with another question, Paul. Do you think that these prints are a bad thing? So this is kind of addressed in the first segment where we asked if they are a good thing. Um, so I think instead of answering whether or not they are a bad thing, because I already said I think they are good, I think what I'll address is what's bad about them. Um, just because it's a more unique question that'll have a more interesting answer. Um, Say my questions and... aren't good enough for you. <laughs> no, I it's see just, how it is. I want to provide a unique answer, right? I get um, that. So what is bad about these Duel Masters prints? Um, and honestly, I am struggling to, to find anything that could possibly be bad with them. Uh, They're not as powerful as their original NTG versions. There, I said it. Right. I suppose <laughs> in Duel Masters that's true, but for our intents and purposes, they are the same card. Yeah. Um. And honestly, like I just, I, I literally cannot think of a single bad thing. We support Lotsy. We have cool cards. It doesn't hurt collectors slash investors who already own actual, you know, like Magic the Gathering copies of the card. Um. And honestly, like maybe. Maybe even Watsi is using this as a as a way to like gauge like how popular they would be if they did something like that, right? Like maybe they're using this game in Japan as a way to 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 judge that. Who knows? Um, but off the top of my head, I literally can't think of a single bad thing. Maybe, and I don't know this for sure. Maybe the card stock or quality is different, um, but it can't get much worse than Magic's, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the absolute meta joke. I love it. Um, but all right. I mean, if they're gauging the idea of like how popular this is, they know they have X amount of magic players. If they released a paper version of Vintage Masters, would you buy a pack? Would you buy a I box? I would buy several boxes. Several exactly. Boxes. <laughs> that right there should be, you know their answer to is this popular or not i mean if you give us like like non-tournament play reprints of the power nine and all the other reserveless cards and everything that came in vintage masters i would be so keen for that i would i would max out a credit card buying as many as i could honestly all they would have to do is like every year sell like the whole magic the gathering online vintage cube as gold yeah. border cards that would and be a money maker secret lair there you go <laughs> they have an out i now. mean <laughs> even if they did like a like if they did a secret layer reserve list cards uh that would be most likely one of the most popular secret layers that they've done to date yeah i'm not i'm not sure they would have enough paper in the factory to or cardboard in the factory to, to print that people would buy <laughs> hundreds of thousands of those boxes uh but anyway we're not talking about reservists here we're talking about dual masters uh printings of reservist cards specifically um so are they a bad thing absolutely not um the only thing i could see that might be bad about them is they get to that even these get price gated right like people just can't afford to import cards from Japan or, you know, they're so popular that they start to spike up. Like I mentioned before, like the championship deck cards or collector's edition cards. That's the only bad thing that I could possibly foresee. Uh, but other than that, I think they're wonderful. And I really do hope that we get these more popularized and localized. Yeah, I think in like, not even think about it, but in our little ad break, you checked your listing for your Black Lotus, right? Yes, I did. And it it hasn't even been 24 hours since that listing went up. And, and it's, it's already, already gone up about 
So yeah. So like my next question was, will, will this affect the price of the actual card? And I mean, the answer to that is always going to be forever. No, it's not going to affect the, the price of the actual card. Yeah, um, I mean, like maybe it'll wiggle down a couple bucks compared to the thirty thousand dollar price tag or whatever for an actual Black Lotus. Um, I mean, if you've got a card that's worth thirty five thousand dollars and it goes down to thirty. 34,999. Are you really going to be upset about that $1 because they printed a copy of of the of the card in another game? That, that that's not. what I mean. Um a lot of people are saying like, "Oh, is this the answer to the reserve list?" And I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not. And that is primarily the reason why this is not going to affect the price of the actual card. Like, yeah, you'll have a nice piece for your cube or whatever. Uh but to play in an actual like vintage tournament, you're gonna need, sorry to say it, a black lotus, an actual one, uh, which yeah. is gonna you know run you at minimum like I think it's like seven eight thousand dollars now. Not really sure. What about this, Paul? Does this set a precedent for printing reserveless cards in other Watsi owned IPs? So I'm not entirely sure what IPs Watsi actually owns, and I guess actually that extends to any Hasbro, right? Any yeah. Hasbro IP? Yeah. Um, but this is a really like interesting thing to analyze because what what does Hasbro own? There's a lot, right? I, I can't even like think of another one off the top of my head, to be honest. There is a uh there is a Transformers trading card game. Okay. So let's say they print uh Black Lotus, but instead of being a Black Lotus, it's uh Megatron. I don't know, whatever. Or, or maybe, oh, like, the, it's the it's Allspark. It's like the Allspark. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, that would be sweet. Again, that would, that this... would be awesome. Actually, that's a great idea. Do it. <laughs> but like, um, I think it does set a precedent, but it sets a very good precedent. We can essentially like they have the power to do this because it's not affecting the actual card, right? They can do this as often as they freaking want, and it makes for some really cool and interesting ideas and dynamics. Like this, this foil old border black lotus is like just. I think I hope is just the tip of the iceberg. If we could get an all a Transformers themed all spark version of Black Lotus, like I would you play can that. you can bet your ass that there are going to be a lot of cubes out there that are going to want to play the all spark Black Lotus. But not even like cubes. Like if they did it, if if they did like the same premise with like Transformers, you could then like how much more money do you reckon the uh the Hasbro Transformers cards that we have in Magic already that are silver boarded? Like I think is, is it Gr it's Grimlock, isn't it? As the uh, the Naya Commander. Yeah, Grimlock is the Naya one. I can't remember the other cards that come in that. Doesn't matter. Grimlock's the one I'm, I worry about at the moment. But I mean, like, <laughs> if you had that commander deck and your playgroup was like, yep, cool, awesome, you can play that card, as if you wouldn't play Transformers-themed magic cards in that deck. Yeah, absolutely. It would be great. And I think this actually... This really does bring an interesting idea to light, which is what is stopping Watsi from doing this in magic, right? Not, I'm not talking about printing reserves cards. Sorry, I should clarify. I mean, what is stopping them from printing, you know, non-tournament playable cards or, you know, reflavored, not still non-tournament playable versions of these cards? Just just because, you know? Like, why can they do it there but not here? I mean, that's why they have the reserve list. That's why they can't do it because it will tank the prices, but I don't know. No, I, I'm saying non-tournament like, playable cards. I mean, non-tournament... Non tournament played cards i don't know man i don't i don't know there's 
there's no reason not to at this point besides the fact that it's just not a product that they're excited about creating anymore i think it's more about like if you kind of look at it they're kind of looking more to the future now than they are to the past you know like those were things that they did and it was cool and all and everything but we haven't really done anything since or even had the inclination of going back and doing anything since i don't know it's just it's a weird dynamic for me because literally all that's changed it like it's watsy printing it so literally all that's changing it it's not designated for magic the gathering that's it yeah it's just getting you know printed in japan and packed in japan and then you know sold in japan Damn. yeah but like you know it's essentially the same as if they just took the card put a silver or a gold border on it or whatever and shipped it you know and i'm da- i am down for that like i there's actually a couple of cars that I want to pick up in gold boarded because of like, you know, like I'm never going to have enough to be able to buy a guy's cradle. I'm never going to be able to justify a guy's cradle, let alone like a foil version of a guy's cradle. And I mean, these, these dual master cards come in foil. So like there's a foil black Lotus out there for 40 to $50. Yeah. So good. <laughs> or we'll get a foil all spark one from the transformers trading card game i'm serious that would be so cool <laughs> it feels like it would be like a secret layer like crossover like a what is it universes beyond uh secret layer that they could do eh, or if they did but, like a like a dual masters secret layer as well the problem with secret layers is that they have only playable cards in there and that would have to be not playable yeah and i'm not sure how popular it would be compared to other secret layers i get that all right, so I don't really have much else to say about these cards besides that they are fantastic. Do you have any closing final thoughts for the listeners and viewers? Uh, I do, actually. Um, I think that uh, what we're talking about here knocks on a couple different topics. Uh, we're talking about reserve list, and we're basically talking about proxying as well, which, you know, everybody that listens to us knows that we are pro-proxy. James plays with proxies all the time. Um, I have a few lingering and a few decks of mine as well. Um, you know, just because it's, it's, it's tough to get multiple copies of some cards, especially like dual lands and Gaia's cradles and such. So, um, I think that this is an awesome thing. Uh, you know, obviously in this case it's Black Lotus, which isn't playable in Commander. Uh, unless you're playing Garth and you want a nice, cool Black Lotus token, in which case, go for it. Um, but I really would like to see these, like I said, localized. I want them to be more popular. I want them to be, you know, like this feels like something that should be revolutionary considering how far along we are in the game and how long it's been since we actually have seen these cards printed in, a, you know, a form like this where it's like at least somewhat accessible. Um, and so... I really just want to close by saying that if like this is something that you should probably keep an eye on, I, I would almost keep an eye on this as much as you would like the next secret layer because this is basically like secret layer cards that Watsy can't print. <laughs> I mean, you are not wrong at all on that, and I wholeheartedly agree with you on every point you that you just stated. Um, yeah, I, I really have nothing else to say about them. They're fantastic. <laughs> Uh, will I be getting a couple of, yeah, most likely. Will I be getting that silver queen and building a silver deck to punch Paul in the face with it? Yes, I will. <laughs> will I be targeting James and killing him first every game he plays it? Absolutely. And I'm cool with that because that's my consequences. <laughs> uh, tell us what you think. Keep this conversation flowing on our Instagram or our Twitter at CMDR at arms. Let us know what you think. Um, if you want to check out our YouTube channel, or if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell, yada, yada, yada. 
Uh, you can check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash commander at arms. We do all of our gameplay videos. So commander at arms to the battlefield is on there as well. Episode three is currently live right now where we played magic with Kevin from the GMGC and CJ, who is one of our patrons, keeping it strong up there, supporting us since almost day one. Love that guy. I love hanging out with him playing magic. If you want to watch us make those episodes, you can do it on twitch.tv slash commander at arms. Don't forget to follow us and we stream every single Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. EST or in case of this week, it's going to be Thursday, 8.30 p.m. EST. Uh, so if you listen to this episode on Thursday and it's not 8, 8.30 p.m. EST, come and check us out playing Twitch, uh, playing Twitch, playing magic on Twitch. We will be playing Magic with all your favorite content creators, our friends, and our patrons. If you want to pick up any cards, sealed products, maybe some Kamigawa Neon Dynasty or anything, I would say some of these cards from the from the Duel Masters prints, but they're not available on TCG Player just yet. Uh, you want to support us, get them, um, get these cards shipped to your house directly, quicker shipping possible. Do it through our TCG affiliate link. It's tcgplayer.com/slash Commander at Arms. If you want to rep a Commander at Arms logo across your chest. You can do that by clicking the link below, which will take you to the Bad Fred Design Co. Etsy page, which hosts all of our shirts and the rest of our merch, as well as their awesome wooden deck boxes. Go and check those ones out because they're fantastic. And as always, you can help support the show directly through patreon.com slash commander at arms. All patron tiers get access to the Discord server. Some of them also get access to being able to play Magic with us on Twitch and be featured on an episode of Commander at Arms to the Battlefield. So go and check that one out uh, if you want to help support us and play Magic with us. And uh, with all of that, Paul, do you have any final thoughts that you want to say or anything final to the listeners or the viewers? Yes, of course. Thank you all so much for tuning in and listening slash watching if you're on YouTube. Um, if you enjoyed what you just heard, uh, please feel free to, you know, share our name around with your friends, with your, your play group, uh, your LGS, say, hey, I just listened to these cool guys, uh, Paul and James, they were talking about, uh, this game Duel Masters, you know, who the hell knows what that is, but they got freaking Black Lotuses over there. Um, <laughs> and as always, uh, thank you for taking the time to listen, you know, even if it was just a few minutes or the entire you know, hour or so that this occupies. It was still time you could have spent doing anything else, but you chose to spend it sitting down listening to us chit-chat for a bit. So thank you very much for that. And uh, for anybody that's been tuning in for the streams and watching our gameplay on YouTube, thank you again for doing that. You know, uh, the more support, the better, and it really means a lot to me and James, considering this is something that we just, you know, we do it for a hobby. Uh, and so the fact that people enjoy what we consider a hobby is a very cool feeling. Some would say it's the best feeling. Indeed. Uh, with all that, I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you've been listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. And remember, arm yourself with knowledge. Peace. See ya.